Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Inspired by the true historical event, Breaking the Silence tells the story of Francesca, a Chinese-American nurse working for the Red Cross in Hong Kong, when the St. Stephen's College massacre occurred. She survived, but she and many other Asian women were captured, then forced to work to comfort uh, Japanese troops. Francesca finally comes to terms with her past after 40 years by breaking the silence with a New York Times journalist. And that's where I'm going to leave it, because this is a wonderful uh, short live-action film about a very important issue, something that has been a, a huge issue between the people of Korea and the and the Japanese government and over the many years since World War II. And it is, uh, it is something that we need to know more about. And I'm so happy to be able to introduce to you the director of this wonderful film, Breaking the Silence, and that would be Siyun Jeong, uh, the director. Siyun, welcome to Film School Radio. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're very welcome. First of all, what is the, what was the inspiration for telling this particular story? Uh, so when I was young, I heard a lot about comfort women from my grandmother, my parents, and my teachers. But I think uh, the most important experience for me was when I was visiting Saipan, which was one of the most contentious places where battles between Japan and the Allied forces transpired in the 1940s. So when I was there, I happened to visit a site where a lot of young comfort women were massacred by the Japanese after they lost the Battle of Saipan in 1943. So the locals of this town uh, made 100 steps to commemorate uh, those young comfort women. So just um, being there and looking at the steps and Feeling the history uh, gave me an indelible uh, impression of the issue of a comfort woman. But I guess it didn't come to mind that I wanted to make a movie about comfort women until I went to uh, my grandmother's funeral five years ago. So when I was attending her funeral, it suddenly dawned on me that people like my grandmother who lived through Japanese occupation or who witnessed what happened to the others, in World War II were just disappearing. And in reality, only a handful of comfort women who um, were survivors who used to be comfort women were alive today, maybe 20, possibly 30 in the world. So, uh, so that realization uh, wanted me to make this movie about comfort women so that I could raise people's awareness of this issue, which is not familiar to many in the United States but also I could uh, possibly give um, those women, either survivors or deceased, who had to remain silent for so many years, a voice in the simplest way possible. And let's be clear about the term comfort women. This, these were women mm -hmm. who were essentially uh, sexual slaves, essentially. They yes. were there for the Japanese troops mm -hmm. and yes. in to be servicing, and I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah. ser servicing these uh, the troops yeah. for, for sex, mm -hmm. and yes. uh, and then often and tell us often what would happen, the fate of these women after what happened to many of them. Yes, yeah, so many of them were uh, either kidnapped or captured by the Japanese, uh, or they're tricked into uh, 
uh, going to work uh, in the Pacific. They were just took, uh, took into thinking that they're going to work um, to make money. And then they ended up being sent up to uh, Japanese army bases to uh, uh, serve those Japanese soldiers. And every single day, there was a young woman, some women, I mean, they're young girls. Some girls were as young as 12 or 13 years old. And they had to uh, have at least 15, 20, sometimes 30 men every single day. Oh my God. Why were there so many Korean women? I believe it was because Korea was occupied by Japan already. So um, even before the war started, uh, Japan already made a move to occupy Korea. Also, um, at that time, they were trying to occupy China as well, which they succeeded for a while. Also, they were having war with the Russia as well. I, I guess at that time, it was Prussia. I'm not so sure. Yeah. Uh, but they were having a lot of war um, to occupy uh, Asian territory to expand their power. So I guess because of the fact that Korea was already a um, colony of uh, Japan, they were able to get into um, different towns uh, to capture uh, young women yeah. compared well, to other uh, East Asian, uh, Southeastern Asian countries. Right. My remembrance of, of history mm -hmm. from my history classes is the mm -hmm. Japanese, one of the first battles of World War II was the Japanese attack mm -hmm. of Manchuria. Mm -hmm. And eventually mm -hmm. the Japanese did mm -hmm. uh, occupy, uh, take over a lot of China. And mm -hmm. one of the mm -hmm. most horrific war crimes of mm -hmm. World War II was the occupation yeah. of Nanking, which is yeah. in this day considered massacre. one of the, yeah, the massacre of Nanking. Yeah. So the, mm -hmm. there was a yeah. history here. But what I'm, what I'm curious about is, is there a cultural racism that has to do with the Koreans in relation to the Japanese? Is there, because did the Japanese just sort of decide that this these were people not worthy of so therefore mm -hmm. is that part of the equation did that factor into a cultural or racism here i'm not so sure about that but definitely uh even nowadays the japanese are very proud of who they are ethnically nationally uh and i'm not so sure about like the racial conflict between koreans and japanese but I think there was some sort of racial conflict between the Japanese and the Chinese. But it was more about ethnic conflicts, I think. And, and at that time, Japan, Imperial Japan wanted to expand their power to uh, uh, rise to ascendancy in the Asian continent, I think. Yeah, okay. Well, let's talk about the film itself because the, the premise of the film is a reporter from the New York Times is visiting mm -hmm. Francesca and uh, has apparently mm -hmm. been talking with her about this story mm -hmm. and urging mm -hmm. her to sort of come forward. Tell us a little bit about the story mm -hmm. itself. Yeah, so uh, the story begins with uh, the main character, Francesca, inviting a New York Times journalist, um, Betty, to a house uh, for an interview. And this is her first time ever telling a story about what happened to her um, during World War II. After the first portion of the movie, it uh, shows her uh, past, what happened to her. So initially she was a nurse, Red Cross nurse, who wanted to uh, serve the country in order to, and then eventually the uh, attack happened to her hospital by the Japanese. And then eventually she was taken to one of the Japanese army bases in China 
to uh, serve the Japanese soldiers as a comfort woman. And, um, and then eventually when she um, came back to the country, she was so uh, ashamed of her war experience that she couldn't go back to her um, state. But she was born and raised in Hawaii, but she couldn't go back. So she settled in New York City and then um, she had her daughter, but because of her trauma, she wasn't able to connect with her daughter but she wasn't able to be a good mother to her daughter. Yeah. And, but she hadn't told her daughter about her experience uh, either. So uh, this is our first time ever telling the journalist about her past. But at the same time, in a way, she also wanted to tell her uh, daughter about what happened to her. So she couldn't make amends with her daughter. Yeah. I, think, I think one of the strengths of the film is mm-hmm. this kind of pulling back the covers of, mm-hmm. on the idea that these women should be ashamed that somehow mm-hmm. they had some, you know, something to be ashamed of. This was something that they had mm-hmm. no control or power over, but there mm-hmm. is that yeah. cultural or that social shame, if you will. Right. And it's good. I'm, I'm glad that the film takes this approach because yeah, these women shouldn't feel this way. This is, this is a horrific war crime that was committed mm-hmm. against them. Not that mm-hmm. they had. Yeah. Right. But I think sexual violence against the women is so difficult and no matter where you come from, um, the shame that you have is there, I think, after violence happens. Uh, and I heard about some Korean comfort women who were able to survive after the war. So they're on their way to go to see their parents, but they're so ashamed that they're actually on a ship to get back to their country from China, but they're so ashamed uh, of the experience that they eventually jumped into the water and then committed suicide. So it's... <laughs> I understand. And it's I. you hear these stories all the time about women mm-hmm. who are ashamed yeah. of a sexual assault or rape, something, and yeah. somehow, some way, it's not that they yeah. would, they know that this isn't their fault, but at the same time, you're right, mm-hmm. it's a social kind of a stigma. And I think yeah. your film, Breaking the Silence, is is hopefully something that will start conversations with people, whether or not they were comfort mm-hmm. women or there was some other situation in which this kind of thing happened that will begin to open mm-hmm. up a conversation and honest dialogue. That's really what I assume you were hoping to accomplish with the film. Yeah, yes. You can find out more about Breaking the Silence. It's breakingthesilence2020.com is, is the website that they can go to. And this film has been submitted for an Academy Award consideration for Best Live Action Short Film. Congratulations uh, on that. And you also were able to enlist a lot of uh, well-known actors into the project. Tell me a little bit about your journey as a, as a filmmaker putting this film together. What, what were the challenges and the obvious rewards were working with some, a wonderful cast of of uh, actors. Yes, yes. For for the casting, it wasn't as typical as I thought it was gonna be. I worked with a really wonderful casting director, so she was able to um, help find the great actors uh, in uh, New York City, also in uh, Los Angeles. So when I first met Grace, uh, um, older Grace, who portrayed um, the old, older version of Francesca, as soon as I saw her, I knew that she was the right person for the role. It happened uh, to um, me when I was seeing a younger uh, Grace who portrayed the younger version of Francesca. So, uh, so the casting was uh, easier than I thought it was going to be. 
Well, congratulations. And are you now, you. Uh, do you feel like you're moving into the realm of professional filmmaker for the rest of your career? Or is this something that you're going to continue to pursue? Yes, this is what I love. <laughs> Telling a story, uh, important story. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I love what I do. Yeah. Well, I, I, without giving too much away, at the very end of the film, uh, there's a gathering of people protesting, raising mm -hmm. awareness. I should better way to mm -hmm. put it, raising awareness of the issues mm -hmm. around the comfort mm -hmm. women. And there are some survivors in the crowd. Yeah. Yes. Um, Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about how important it was for you to have them there, but how people who want to know more about this issue and its importance and why it's important. It's a war crime and it's a crime against women. It's a, it's there's so many levels to why this is so mm -hmm. such a, an abomination and needs to be addressed. Yeah. So tell us, uh, yeah. first of all, meeting these women, spending a little time with them uh, in making the film. Yeah. So um, these women, uh, actually 12 of them were survivors, but uh, actually the rest of them were extras. I found right. for the movie, right. but uh, these two survivors, I was able to find them through my community's uh, help. So um, like also my church actually. So I was able to get in contact with them and gladly they were able to come to my um, you know, set to uh, help me out. So they portrayed um, you know, extras, uh, um, like I mean, a former comfort woman um, you know, for, for the movie. But all in all, I think this issue, the issue of a comfort woman is so important. Uh, partially it's because it's, you know, crime against a woman, war crime against a woman. Uh, but at the same time, this issue has been going on for so many years without any resolution. And, um, and I don't think these survivors are looking for reparations. I think their governments and some people were throwing around the word reparations, but these women are in their late 80s or, nine, or early 90s. And money wouldn't be really important for these women. Or like artificial apologists wouldn't be sufficient for, even 1,000 apologists wouldn't be sufficient for this woman. And I think I, and they're looking for real justice. Like a couple of years ago, when the Me Too movement was happening, I was reading um, some articles about the victims of Harvey Weinstein. And um, they were saying that they're so afraid for their lives uh, and the fear literally damaged their career and personal lives. And when they actually saw Harvey Weinstein being tried and going to prison, they felt relieved, feeling that justice was finally served to them. Right. Right. And in the same vein, I think these survivors were looking for justice. But the sad thing is that their perpetrators uh, who committed the war crime against them were already gone. They're dead. So I don't know what type of you know, uh, justice or resolution would be appropriate for this woman. But I think um, people should be aware of the issue and they should be more active about you know, this woman so that their governments and people could give them some type of, of, of closure um, you know, before their time is running out. You know, I think the first step in achieving what you described mm -hmm. is acknowledgement, right? I think the yeah. thing that's mm -hmm. probably been the biggest yeah. bone of contention between mm -hmm. Korea and the Japanese yeah. government has been yeah. the lack of acknowledging that these things right. happened. This is always mm -hmm. the case. Whenever there's yeah. some kind of war crime or you know slavery or all, there are all mm -hmm. kinds of crimes against humanity mm -hmm. 
the hardest part seems to be getting people to at least acknowledge that it even happened, yeah, right? That's true. Yeah. And then once you yeah. get to that point, then you start to actually figure out ways in which you can address mm-hmm. this grievance, these genuine mm-hmm. grievances that these people have mm-hmm. and how their lives have been taken from them and, mm-hmm. and how they want at least someone to say officially in a in a in a in a way that matters that mm-hmm. this happened and this was wrong. Yeah. And yeah, I, I that's think that's true. what you're describing, right? And yeah, so- yeah. Also, for so many years, uh, Japan has been resistant to admit the truth. I mean, there are some moments where they actually apologize to the South Korean government, also the Chinese government. But the problem is that they always retracted their apologists. And then their lawmakers went to a shrine that would have cont- yeah, contain actually were criminals. I mean, for them, they were heroes, but to the world, they were criminals. So, uh, right, right. so it was always a uh, going back and forth thing. And I, for the last eight years, and, I remember yeah. when that happened. The ja- the prime minister yeah. of Japan, exactly. I remember issuing an apology, and there was a yeah. huge political backlash. The same here mm-hmm. in the United, we we yeah. refuse to acknowledge the the. Uh, the slaughter of Native Americans in this country, yeah. and mm-hmm. anyone who does step forward to acknowledge that this yeah. happened, mm-hmm. often met with a lot of political resistance. So, yeah. you know, continue to push forward on this. You have truth on your side. This is the truth, and so it should not be deterred. And eventually, this will, this will be accepted as something that was what that did happen, and it mm-hmm. was wrong. And we should learn from those massive errors in our yeah. history and move forward yes. hopefully in a better world yeah i hope so well i do yeah. too well i want to thank you again the film is called breaking the silence and it has been submitted for an academy award consideration for best live action short you can go to breaking the silence 2020.com to find out more about the film as well as about the filmmaker and i want to thank sion jiong for um, spending some time with us here on film school radio thank you so much You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.